You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back into another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the football landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, and the one thing that we want to ask you guys to do before we get going today, if you listen to this fine podcast, we would just like to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. We've got shows Sunday through Friday for you this year and all throughout the entirety of the NFL regular season. Today on NFL University, we're getting caught up around the league after a full slate of preseason action. It was surprisingly exciting, and the first wave of NFL cuts came yesterday across the league as rosters got down to 8-5. And later on in the show, after the break, we'll have a discussion about teams that are afraid to give the keys to their rookie quarterbacks, why it's time to get rid of that thought process. All that being said, I'd like to welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Hacking Co., Guys, before we get into the football talk today, I, I've got a confession. I haven't really told anybody this yet. Uh, you know, I record a lot of podcasts over over Zoom or, or whatever, and I talk to a lot of different people. You guys are the first people that have actually seen me in glasses. I want to admit something. They're not real glasses. I don't actually have to wear contacts or glasses. I have pretty good eyesight. But when I started this job, I sit in front of a computer all day, every day, pretty much. And my eyes were starting to bother me. My friend suggested these blue light glasses. So I started wearing them and they're making a huge difference. I've never had glasses before in my life. So I kind of like the way I look in glasses. So I'm asking you guys, is it acceptable or is it fraudulent for me to just start wearing these out in public and acting as if I am a glasses wearer? As a glasses wearer, Justice, what do you think? Yeah, if you look, if you want to wear glasses, I think it's totally fun, even if you don't have less than average eyesight. You know what I mean? Like so some of the if if people can rock the fake chains that I see walking around, you can definitely wear glasses that aren't prescription. That that's my thought. The only thing is don't the blue light glasses, they're like a little bit reflective, aren't they? Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're terrible for videos. You you gotta you gotta go with the uh, you gotta just go with like the full fake lenses, like just like straight see through glass. I think that's the way to do it. So if you're gonna do it, you just go all the way in, basically. So yeah, I buy yeah. legitimate go home. fake ones that 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 don't do anything, that don't serve any purpose. But then I could style those a little bit more. Maybe I want to change it up. Yeah, unless you're trying to prevent the blue light. Out in public, I guess. Is that worth the trade-off of the reflection? I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a personal choice. You can see the reflection in Steve's eyes right now. So yeah, it's bad. for me, fraud, gotta lose them. Yeah. For uh yeah, for videos, I, I cannot wear them. So I, I I just have to go go normal and uh and ride it out. 
but uh okay okay that's good to know i'm gonna think about that i'm gonna get on amazon later and i'm gonna check some of these prices on, on some of these fake glasses and maybe i'm just a glasses guy now but we we've got a ton to get to on today's show uh as we mentioned preseason action well underway and there was a ton of preseason storylines this week surprisingly i feel like this was the most entertaining week of preseason games like in my entire lifetime i was locked in all day on saturday checking out all the rookie quarterbacks across the league kp of course you're covering trey lance at niners nation uh justice you're covering second year quarterback jordan love for the packers so i want to get your guys first impression of those guys and then we can talk about some of the other performances from some of the rookie quarterbacks i think for the first time in a long time there are multiple first round quarterbacks who are actually good, like who are actually talented. So that's why I think we're all locked in when you talk about the preseason. Um, Watching the 49ers game, for example, that didn't feel like a preseason game. Even watching the Bears when Justin Fields came on, like that didn't really feel like a preseason game since there's so much excitement built up around these guys. Um, I don't think the NFL is doing a really good job of hyping the number one overall pick because Trevor Lawrence does seem like a freaking afterthought. I think even Zach Wilson, like we're getting more pub with him. Uh, what, how would you rank the quarterbacks? And we don't really have to do that. But, uh, Justice, who, do you, who would you say was the most impressive guy? You know, watching – I watched, like, the little NFL cut-ups um, on YouTube. They do a pretty good job of just, like, every Trey Lance pass and yep. stuff like that. I really liked what I saw out of Trey Lance, man. Um, I know that stat line lies a little bit where he's five like for 14. Five, yeah, it's some, yeah, five for 14 for like 140 yards, which like is good for a yards per attempt um, perspective. But the completion percentage is low. If you actually watch that game, I mean, they dropped a lot of balls where they were dimes thrown by uh, Trey Lance. So I really liked what I saw from from him. The one guy I was surprised by, Zach Wilson, actually looked half decent after all the reports about, you know, he's looking bad in red zone drills and stuff like that. I know he came out and he talked about how he's using practice as practice, you know, <laughs> as a, as almost like training his judgment in in looking at the defense and saying, can I throw that ball or can I not? Well, I'm going to learn that in practice so that I can then translate that to the game. Um, I thought he was really impressive. I think. Mac Jones probably out of the first round picks looked the least impressive, but even then Bill put a lot on his plate. I mean, they came out of the second half and they ran like 15 plays in like five minutes in real time, um, which is crazy speed. So I think everyone is trying to figure out what they have in these young guys this preseason. And that's really fun to watch. I would say just based on the first week that all all the guys that went in the first round, like they were impressive to an extent. Like you would feel comfortable mm-hmm. putting them out in the regular season. I think that um, goes a long way for the first preseason game. Steve, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that it is kind of weird that, yeah, like you could have come away from every rookie quarterback performance in the first week of the preseason saying like, well, that guy looks like he could be an NFL starter. He might not be a superstar quarterback, but that guy's like a guy that could – play in a regular season and maybe win you some games and make some plays. Uh, I I totally agree with you, KP, on Trevor Lawrence kind of seeming like an afterthought, which is weird for a guy who was for years the projected number one overall pick. And maybe it's because it's Jacksonville and their fan base just 
isn't as big and as wide as the 49ers or the bears or, or something like that. One of these are the New York jets, these teams with other rookie quarterbacks, but like Lawrence is going to be good. I feel like out of anybody, you could say like, you just assume Trevor Lawrence is going to be good. Maybe that's part of it. I kind of assume Justin Fields is going to be good. And you had to be impressed with Trey Lance, even though, yeah, the numbers lied a little bit, but when he looked good, he was good and you were excited to watch him and he looks like he can be an explosive athlete in the NFL. Um, I, I just, yeah, it's weird. In the first week of the preseason to have that many rookie quarterbacks come out and find things to be impressed by from each and every one of them. It's kind of a rare instance in the NFL. Yeah. I think uh, Zach Wilson looked like he had just a little more zip than I anticipated. I thought, he did a nice job of just knowing where to go with the football. And I don't that was an issue uh, when he was in college. So um, and he also didn't always do the best when he was facing pressure and he just stood tall, man. So that was good for him. I think I think he was the, the most pleasant surprise of all the guys. Um, when we talk about just stat lines, when just was talking about Trey Lance, uh, he, I think if you were to ask, if you were to go ask somebody who has no idea what you're watching, um, never really watched football and ask, hey, which one of these quarterbacks? you know, has the brightest future or, you know, who would you be most excited to watch moving forward? I think they would all say Trey Lance and maybe not all of them, but I think the majority would say Trey Lance just because uh, obviously you have that long explosive arm strength play where he just flicks the wrist, but you can tell, man, he's going to be a player. And obviously he was super jacked up and he missed a few throws and, you know, he even had an interception, an interceptable pass as the internet calls it. Um, but I think he just he looked really well. He looks like he's going to be a star. Um, Justin Fields, you saw the athleticism there. Um, both of those guys really didn't have any designed runs, which I think will probably change moving forward in the preseason. Um, the ceiling for both of those two, I think they're going to be really, really good. Uh, I don't I really don't know what to make of Trevor Lawrence, which is weird to say that we're talking about a number one overall pick. Do we know he's going to be good? Yeah, probably. Is it safe to assume that? Yeah, probably. But like what's next for him? Like, what can he be? What is his ceiling? How much of that is going to be tied down to Urban Meyer? Um, all of that is, is what I really want to find out. I think the best way to put it is I, I just need to see more from Lawrence. The other thing, too, that I would say, one, I'm not surprised the guy from Jacksonville was getting less pub than the guys in New York, the Bay, Chicago, and Boston. <laughs> like, first of all, let's talk about that. Um, second Markets of all, matter. Yeah. Second of all, um, the other thing that we need to put in context is that a lot of these defenses aren't doing what they would normally do in games. Um, there's blitz restrictions in uh, the NFL preseason, which makes situational football a lot different, um, I guess is the best way to explain that. Um, that was one thing that we talked about in the XFL. We just like opened up the blitz rules, whereas the AAF uh, had specific – they basically used the NFL preseason rules. Um because we wanted it to be more, you know, NFL-like in terms of the situation. But I looked at Jordan Love. Um, I cut up all his all his passes from uh, last Saturday's game against the Houston Texans. Uh, he played the first half against them. And Houston legitimately ran cover one and Tampa two every single play. Like, they basically had two defenses that they put out there, and that's all they did all game. So, you know, they're not – these guys, as they look impressive, like focus more, I would say, on the traits and being consistent because they're going against stock defenses, basically. 
what you see from, you know, and Justin Fields, we saw some ups and downs, like the fumble and the, and the spin move and, and stuff like that. But really all you want to see from these guys, I think in the preseason is, you know, a little bit of decision-making, but like you just said, they don't have the pressure on them the same way. The speed's not quite the same as the speed of the regular season. And that's obviously going to change. Like Justin Fields said himself, like, oh, I thought it was actually slow. Like I, I thought, I thought the, the NFL speed was was actually pretty slow for me. Like I was out there just you know kind of feeling myself. The sound you're hearing is a thousand screenshots that are going to be used <laughs> yeah. in the future. Yeah. The moment he does anything wrong, a yeah, thousand Bears play week one. Uh, that defensive line is going to remember that. Um, yeah, if he plays, if he does play week one, and Aaron Donald or somebody like Ramsey makes a play, Ramsey might be the one to post that screenshot. Yes, yeah, Aaron Donald's going to remember that that screen grab that everybody was sharing on social media after his first preseason game. But I I think the main thing you should be looking for with these guys is yeah, a little bit of the decision-making you want to see that you want to see them going through multiple reads and and, and things like that, but it's just the impact plays and the athleticism and like the guys that showcase that more than anyone, in my opinion, are Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Like those guys are legitimate NFL athletes and whether it's preseason game one or or two or whatever this week. And Justin Fields is dealing with a a mild groin injury, according to the bears today. So he might not play this week. You saw that those guys are athletic enough to be NFL players. Like those guys are athletic enough to be starting caliber quarterbacks in the league. So when justice talked about the shell coverage, essentially the chiefs were spinning to a single, single high. They were running some cover too, where the linebacker would drop to the opposite hash. They were trying to run in, like let Lance run into some mistakes. So um, I'm not sure if every other team did that. I know Flores is pretty straight up, you know, with what they do in Miami, but um, I know the chiefs tried to do a little something, something with Lance, but he almost fell for it. Um, But I think that's all also good work for all these guys, you know, Think about it. Trey Lance is coming from playing Northern Illinois, going to Kansas City. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot for them to jump. And I think, uh, yeah, we just want to see them progress. We want to see what they can do next if they're going to have the same mistakes. Because you also have to think about the supporting cast for a guy like Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. And if he gets a chance to run with the starters and if he's throwing to Allen Robinson, that would be a big deal. Northern Illinois is a MAC team. Northern Iowa is the LVC team. You're a fake film grinder. Ooh. <laughs> taking, taking the badge away. They definitely played Northern Illinois in 2019. Did they really? Good for them. <laughs> Steve, look that up. And when I'm right, I'll throw that in Justice's face because he just tried to dog me. And boy, was he wrong. I, look, I, I didn't know they were getting MAC teams. I thought, I thought they'd just play like Iowa State. And then you know, it was like James them. Madison, Northern, uh, maybe it's Northern Illinois State. Maybe that's what it was, but it, it it's Northern Illinois something, and it's it's the Redbirds. Yeah, I, film I, I, <laughs> I believe KP. I I think he knows what he's talking about when he's breaking down that sort of film. So I'm I'm gonna ride with him. Love it. Uh Justice, we you talked about Jordan Love a little bit, and obviously a big storyline. With the Packers is, you know, Aaron Rodgers. He's back now. He's at least going to be there through this season. He's coming off an MVP caliber season. So we're probably not going to see Jordan Love in the regular season, barring an injury. But he did look impressive. He he had some some very good throws in their first preseason game. I'm just curious to get a little bit more of your insights for our Packers listener on what they could expect for the guy who might be their future franchise quarterback. 
Yeah, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, I was able to watch their family night stuff too, which is like their uh, preseason scrimmage at Lambeau Field. Um, so it wasn't live, but uh, it's still within a st- structure of an NFL offense and being broadcast. So we got we got those camera angles on him. Um, really, the thing that I saw from him was he's willing to be aggressive. I mean, some of those throws to Funches, they the Packers healthy scratch like 30 players in that game basically no one who is coming close to being a starter saw that field other than the interior offensive line that they're trying to figure out and the slot position on the defensive side so he was out there playing with a bunch of backups um his left tackle was actually like probably the fifth tackle on their on their uh depth chart um just the way it shook out with Bakhtiari's injury and keeping the starters out um so the left tackle did not give good reps all game. The the guards, both of the starting guards are now backups. If you're reading Packers reports right now um, from training camp. So that's kind of the situation that they're in on the offensive line. They didn't have their best guys out there. Um, but Jordan Love was able to throw some balls that a lot of guys in the NFL can't make. Um, he did mess up a couple times. There was one time he opened up to the wrong side on a boot. Um, unfortunately it was a fourth down. So (laughs) he basically looked up, realized I broke the play and then just try to throw up a ball to Devin Funches. Um, once he realized if I throw this out of bounds, the ball is just gonna come back to the line of scrimmage and it's going to be a turnover anyway, which pretty bright move, uh, when you have a defense breathing down your neck and you have maybe two seconds to decide what you're actually going to do. Um, some of the things, though, like I said, I mean, Lovey Smith is Lovey Smith, right? So he's going to run his bread and butter stuff no matter what. He threw a swing in cover two, which is like not what you're trying to do at all. Um, so there's certain things where he definitely has like young quarterback syndrome. But overall, I mean, the athleticism is there. The arm talent is there. Um, seems like the gumption to to even attempt some of these balls are there. So I would say that it's positive overall. He did end up leaving with like a, he called it strain-ish. I don't know if we ever got full clarity on what the injury is, but he has a shoulder injury that he got on a sack fumble because, again, the left tackle was not not the best that they had out there. Um, So hopefully he's going to be able to practice before this upcoming game and and get some more reps in because they're not going to let Rodgers play at all. So it's either him or Kirk Benkert is going to go four quarters. When I'm watching these games and you talking about just willingness to throw the ball in the tight windows, that matters to me way more than any incomplete or completion. So Justin Fields had that nice corner route where people are worried about the defender making a play. You just want your quarterback to throw that ball like he should be throwing that pass. Uh, The very, very, very first attempt for Trey Lance um, anticipation was an issue. And the more he played, the more he was willing to, you know, kind of lead his receiver throw the ball with good timing. So all of that matters when we're talking about this. So as far as Jordan Love goes, is he moving the needle in Packerland right now? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I think he wouldn't be able to do that Rodgers can do <laughs> if that's the baseline, right? So That's not a criticism. There's yeah, a lot of I mean, that. I, I think a lot of that Packers offense too overall, like if Rodgers' release wasn't so fast, they wouldn't be throwing those passes to like Devontae Adams. Those just like, backside of the run play i'm just getting the ball out immediately 
Um, Jordan Love had a ball tipped, and like I said, he had that sack fumble that he got hurt on uh, late in the second half. Both of those, I think, are examples of what can happen when a quarterback has an elongated release. Um, and to put that bluntly, I don't know if that's going to get fixed because that's a really hard thing to fix is like how comfortable, how, how do you throw comfortably under pressure? That's a very hard thing to train. Um, you can do whatever you want in the off season, seven on seven, throwing routes on air, but when the bullets are live, you got to make decisions. Um, that's, that's different. So I would say those type of things, I think probably would hurt green Bay's chances, but like a guy like Jordan love, I think in a, like a boot system, something like the Shanahan system, McVay system, I think he could be a quarterback who could honestly take a team to the playoffs right now, um, just off of athleticism, arm talent alone. And that's kind of what those boot systems are are built for, right? We right. want to get you moving on the edge, hit a deep ball when there's not pressure in the pocket. As long as you can throw on the move, you should be in a good spot. And I think that's kind of what they have in Jordan Love right now, as opposed to Aaron Rodgers just being able to throw darts just constantly. I think that was the biggest difference from like Lance and Fields is seeing a quarterback, seeing a rookie quarterback stretch the field both horizontally and vertically, because when you have to do that, the say like how many safeties are sitting at 12 yards and can't wait to come downhill because both Dalton and Jimmy G are at quarterback. Like that matters. I'm in an office. I think those are the types of things that we're not really talking about with what these guys bring to the table. Yeah, if you're Packers fans and you're, you know, keeping watching every Packers preseason game under a microscope to see what Jordan Love can do because you assume he's going to be the guy of the future, then you love to see him throwing downfield. Like that that should be enough to get you excited. Is is his willingness to take those shots and his athleticism and his big arm and stuff like that because that's what got him drafted and that's those are the things that not everybody can exactly do. So if you're, if you're going to do that in the preseason, you should be thrilled to see him like taking chances and, and, you know, trying to extend plays and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, We already talked about Trevor Lawrence a little bit and how he's kind of flying under the radar and not really getting as much exposure as you would think for a number one overall pick. And it might be because urban Meyer decided to bring in Tim Tebow But after his horrendous preseason game where it looked as if he was not capable of blocking anyone on the football field, the Jacksonville Jaguars announced yesterday that they did release Tim Tebow ahead of the uh, deadline to get rosters down to 85. Yeah, one of the things that I was always confused by is Tim Tebow's like legitimate transition to being a true tight end. Um, when these guys get announced as tight ends, you always wonder, is he actually, is, is he going to be Logan Thomas or is he going to be Taysom Hill? Right. That's the big question. And I think Tebow had a shot in the league. If maybe you used him in, in the Taysom Hill type of role where it's really a mixing of personnel, right. That, that you're getting, I mean, the saints, I don't know if you've seen this play KP, the saints are insane. What Sean Payton did one time, they ended up, they started the play in three by three empty with no quarterback. And then they motioned, you know, so you don't know if you're getting Taysom or if you're getting Drew Brees and you have to make a decision instantly and you have to rotate to trips, right? To whatever side didn't motion a quarterback out. Um, So I think if you did stuff like that and you let 
Tim Tebow run at the goal line um, instead of Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence ran a ton of option stuff at the goal line, but at Clemson. The, the problem is now the NFL defenders are much, much bigger than what they what they were seeing in the ACC. So do you want to expose Trevor Lawrence to those hits? So I thought that, you know, Tim Tebow's role might have been closer to that. But if you look at that Jacksonville preseason game that people are cutting up all these bad blocks from Tim Tebow, I mean, they're using him as a real tight end. And I just don't think that that was ever going to work. And if that was your plan, I'm sure there's people in that building in Jacksonville who are like, why in the hell was he getting the shot? You know what I mean? It's embarrassing, right? Because think about – so I've been I've been in practice and some of the backup, backup tight ends the 49ers have are very athletic. Like they are very explosive. You can tell that they came across the formation and had to kick out a defensive end before. You can tell Tebow has never done that in his life. You can tell he's never had to do any sort of angle blocking or even like release off the line of scrimmage. So um, it, it seems like a giant PR stunt and – it just backfired so quickly. It should we be surprised that it lasted this long? Because if those were his reps in a game, like how bad was it in practice? I mean, there's some of those reps in practice too that people are cutting up and putting on Twitter. Yeah, it, it doesn't look great. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing where when you talk to players and they say like things get things got political, right? Then it has traction. You know what I mean? Like when when players talk about, yeah, I kind of got the short end of the stick because this coach rode for that guy or whatever, that that's when these type of things can get put into context. Um, you know, there were plenty of guys in the XFL who like, they just wanted film because they really thought that they could get back to the league. They just had another shot at getting film and, and being in that, you know, tryout circuit. You know what I mean? So like Tim Tebow took that away from at least one player. So, yeah. I mean, that is what it is, if you, we're going to call it that. I mean, there's personnel evaluations that are wrong across the league. They're happening all the time. But this is a pretty blatant example because it was on the front end of it. I mean, think of all the guys that were cut on Tuesday, you know, yesterday. None of none of them were making the headlines that, like, Tim Tebow was, you know. So he he's the clearest – eyesore that we can kind of like point to in terms fans, of that. fans bought his Jacksonville jersey. <laughs> yes. Well, like, yes. like, yeah. well, he's a, he's a, he's in Florida jerseys. too. I mean, that's his, that's his college state. So like, that's a little bit different when they're like, I was talking to Richard Johnson, who is a Florida fan. Right. And he, the way he explained it is like, yeah, Florida fans rally around Tim Tebow. Who the hell else were they supposed to rally around during that time? You know, is it going to be Percy? You think that we're going to build a statue of Percy? Are you going to build a statue of Aaron Hernandez? Are you going to build a statue of the Pouncy Brothers? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, of course they rallied around Tim Tebow because that was the one thing that you could like actually rally around and not be worried that like, hey, the it's collapsing, you know? So I do understand that like people in that area of the country have a different type of connection to Tim Tebow than like we do nationally. I, I don't think that we spent enough time like discussing how you know, a 34 year old former quarterback minor league baseball player decided he was going to play tight end, which is one of the harder positions in football to transition from college to the NFL when you're 21, 22 years old, 
let alone being 34 years old and never having played it at that level. I don't know if he played it in high school or something like that, but like, it's hard to play tight end. That's why we see these guys regularly who are much more athletic at that particular position, who have played that position for a long time, still take two years, three years to actually develop into legitimate NFL players because tight ends get asked to do a lot in the modern day NFL. And it was always, if I'm a Jacksonville Jaguar, I'm feeling a little bit disrespected that Tim Tebow was even in camp, to be completely honest. Oh, you have to be. So just think about the best tight ends in the NFL. They're all explosive athletes, whether it's Waller, whether it's Kittle, whether it's Kelsey, like all of these guys have a juice. And you could tell by running, watching one Tim Tebow play at this age, he has zero juice left. Um, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Uh, we did talk about Sean Payton a little bit. But when Justice said that, my mind was like, why don't we talk about Payton the way we talk about Shanahan and McVay? Because as it, efficient as their offenses are and i'm not going to take that away from any, any of them because they do move the ball but they run like six plays each where sean payton um you just talked about going three by three that doesn't happen in a mcveigh or shanahan offense uh, those type of motions like they just use like jet motions to uh leverage the defense and high low the defense where sean payton is he dresses it up so much better than that and i imagine if you were to go around the nfl and ask these guys who are you watching more? Is it Kyle Shanahan or is it Sean Payton? Is it Sean McVay or is it Sean Payton? I think the overwhelming answer would be Payton. So why is there a disconnect from us compared to what's going on in the actual NFL? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that if you were asking guys who they steal plays from every Monday, um, it's probably Payton and Andy Reid. Those are probably the not even close, players. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably those two because the way that that's structured, I mean, it's not really different than like the high school stuff, like the high school wing T stuff, you know, the, the Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur stuff. I mean, it's so basic buck trap, right? Mm -hmm. It's buck trap and uh waggle. It's just in a different structure. It's how do, how do we have our inside run? How do we have our outside run? How do we throw off of it? And how do we make it all look the same? Right. I mean, that that's really what it is at the end of the day. I mean, Sean Payton and Andy Reid are the guys who, they're trying to do very unique things to attack you basically on a down-to-down -down basis. So I, I would not be surprised at all if you asked any NFL guy and they, they said it was Peyton and Reed. Yeah, like just thinking about plays, Shanahan, his creativeness is using a jet – jet motion from one side to the other. And now he's stretching your flat defender and running a curl underneath that. Like that is his creativeness, which is great. But Andy Reed is using Tyreek Hill at number three. Like that's the guy who made the number three wide receiver a thing. Like he's the guy who got speed on the ball right away. So, I mean, if you just go down the line with Peyton, I'm sure he has like five other things that he's doing where McVeigh's not, but yeah, it's just interesting to me where, we don't give those guys the credit, and I'm, I'm sure we do to some degree, but nowhere near uh, because we're just constantly hearing about Shanahan and McVay. I, I have a hot take. I, I think I know the next guy up on that. Actually, there's two. Joe Brady does a lot of cool stuff, um, mm -hmm. the way he's able to get that done. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't have a quarterback, and that drives a lot of these conversations. Two, Matt Canada with the Pittsburgh mm. Steelers. I, I've watched both. They're not having a quarterback. Years. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not, it's not <laughs> great. Um, he's not even playing in this preseason, though. But the way Matt Canada plays football, it will look unique to the fan. You will see things that you've never seen before in an NFL game just because they're double-shifting um, pre-snap, 
it's insane. Like he'll send one guy in motion, the defense adjusts, and then they'll send another guy in motion. Like legitimately flip it from trips to the field to trips to the boundary in a matter of two seconds, and your safeties have to spin 25 yards. It, it's not it's not fun to deal with. Um, he's going to deal with some restrictions at the NFL level that he didn't deal with on, at the college level just because of eligible and ineligible numbers and how you report eligible. Um, but it's fun to watch so far, and I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table this year because he's definitely all, – all the film nerds on Twitter who are like, wow, look at this crazy play. Like they're going to love Matt Canada. Interesting. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, you got to keep an eye out for Matt Canada. I was legitimately shocked Joe Brady didn't get a uh, head coaching job this offseason. I thought he was going to be a little bit more in demand than he wound up being, but I'm also still shocked that Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a, a head coaching job, so maybe I'm just bad at reading those situations. Uh, we do need to hit a quick timeout. When we get back, we head into the NFL University crash course. We've got a uh, discussion on why teams are scared on giving the keys to their rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta, joined as always by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Muscada of Acme Packing Co. We've already talked a lot about the rookie quarterbacks and their preseason debuts on this episode, but I wanted to have a longer discussion with you guys on these teams, the Bears, the Niners, uh, specifically being afraid to just hand the keys over to their rookie passers. Like we know that they're the future franchise player, or that's what the organization is hoping by drafting them. We know Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are going to be day one starters. I understand the Patriots wanting to move a little bit slower with a guy like Mac Jones when you've got Cam Newton and you can let Mac develop a little bit more. By everything that I've seen and everything that I think I know about football, The Chicago Bears and the San Francisco 49ers should, without a doubt, name these guys their week one starters in Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And so I'm just curious how you guys feel about it. And 
why you think these teams are, and we've seen it before in the past, just why they're generally so hesitant to just hand these things over to the young guys. I think both of those teams are in different situations. Um, I think San Francisco, it's more, let's showcase Jimmy a little bit because <laughs> injuries happen in the preseason. They do point blank period. At some point, someone's going to go down. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be pretty high on that list of guys that you want to trade for. And then with Chicago, I think it's more of we just fell face first into a franchise quarterback. We are both on the hot seat. We don't need to use the Justin Field card yet. I think that's kind of the mindset there um, where it's really how do we entrench ourselves in a, using Justin Fields being a talented quarterback as leverage? Oh, when things go bad, we can play the Justin Fields card, bring him off the bench. He'll give us some juice. And then we just bought ourselves another season. Right. And then we'll figure it out from there because everything is about job security, man. Everything's a work. Everything's about job security. Yeah, let's talk about Fields because when they signed Dalton in free agency, there's no way that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy thought that, you know, Fields would fall into their lap. There's no way that they thought they'd have any any shot of trading up for him. So um, I do think is big time different situations. Uh, I would still probably start him, though, just knowing the drop off. Like, what is the drop off between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields? Then I want to be clear that these guys are going to make mistakes. All of these rookie quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. There's going to be growing pains. But as we saw just in the one preseason game, if there's a rush, you are not going to be able to catch Justin Fields. He's going to be faster than probably nine of your 10 or sorry, nine of your 11 defenders that you have on the field. So he's going to be able to escape and keep your offense ahead of the chains. And that's before we get into the explosive plays down the field and him being able to throw you know, stretch you horizontally, which Andy Dalton's not throwing those far hash comebacks, man. He's not throwing those far hash corner routes to the opposite side of the field. That doesn't happen. So I think um, all of that has to be taken into account. And I mean, obviously, if he's not healthy, he's not going to be able to practice. But uh, it, it's tough for me to imagine a scenario where Fields isn't the best option for the Bears and whether that's week one, week two, week three or whatever. But uh, it's going to be sooner than later. And the other thing, too, is Chicago's offensive line situation, especially on the bookend, is not great. Um, they already had Charles Leno at left tackle. Um, he was okay. I think, you know, he's an NFL starter as a left tackle. That's kind of what he is. He's he's not going to shut down an elite pass rusher. Um, so they drafted Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. I thought he was going to play right tackle for him. He ends up going to left. They let Charles Leno walk. Tevin Jenkins today, they just said that he's going to have back surgery for an ongoing issue that he's had since the draft process, but that the symptoms now of his back issue are now presenting in a different way than they did when they drafted him. So they have to sign Jason Peters. So now you don't have a right tackle because <laughs> that that hole still hasn't been filled. Your left tackle is Jason Peters, who's getting a million dollars to come back, basically like veteran minimum to come back to run it back another year and your second round pick is hurt. Your left tackle from last year got released. That's not a great situation to be in. And that's not a great situation to groom a quarterback in. Um, at least we can hang the hat on. Like we talked about Jordan love where, where you're saying, yeah, we had your fifth option at left tackle. Well, that's not going to carry into the pre or that's not going to carry into the regular season in Chicago. It might, because we're one, I mean, Jason Peters is, got to be like 35 
39 years old. 39 years old, man. He might be 40 when yeah. this yeah. starts. 39 mm. years old. So if he goes down, now you're down to like option W, you know, like option X at, at tackle. That's not great. Yeah, it's not great along the offensive line for the Chicago Bears. And what you guys were saying about job security, like, I do totally agree with that. I think that that plays into a lot of these factors in the NFL. There's not very many of the jobs and they pay well and they're good jobs. So these head coaches and coaching staff, sometimes they're thinking long-term general managers and front offices and stuff like that. They're thinking, you know, how can we, how can we get an extension out of this or how can we play this thing out so that we get another year? So I think some of that stuff does come into play here and, Yes, I don't want to see Justin Fields get Joe Burrowed last season in Cincinnati where he wound up having a severe knee injury because his offensive line was so bad and he just got blown up in a game. And that seems like it could very easily be a possibility with the issues that they're having on the offensive line. But I I just tend to think that the idea like what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith, like sitting Patrick Mahomes for a year in favor of Smith, I think it benefited Mahomes, obviously. I don't think that you can claim this is the same situation because that was a Super Bowl caliber Chiefs roster. They just had Alex Smith, and he was kind of what was holding them back despite the fact that he won games every year and got them into the playoffs. It's just these teams, the 49ers, in my opinion, can be a Super Bowl team again, even with Jimmy G. I think they've got enough talent. I think – there's more argument for th- to be made for them to do this because they believe that, even though we've seen that Trey Lance just has m- much more upside than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think the Bears really have an excuse unless they just want to say it's the offensive line. Like I-, I don't think the Bears really have an excuse to say we don't need to put Justin Fields in a game right away and see what we got in this guy. Well, the, yeah, just speaking of Nagy and Pace, they don't have the same type of leash John uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have either, which is another reason that I'd get that guy out there. That way you see some flashes and you can say, hey, look at this, look at him. And you can kind of hope that, you know, whoever the powers that be um, are able to, you know, buy you a little more time. We we're talking about offensive line, and I want to know how much does playing behind a second-team offensive line just create bad habits for it like Fields and Lance because and that could be whether it's dropping their eyes against pressure or something that you know the general public might not notice where they're now they're taking drops seven to eight to nine yards as opposed to five to six yards which makes the offensive line look worse than they really are but uh in the Lance game in the 49ers Chiefs game he was getting hit every other drop it seemed like and he was just running for his life at one point and they had already had a couple starters sit out and they're already thin um, I just don't know, man, because you don't want him to be flushed from the pocket when he doesn't have to. You don't want them to uh, think that they have to move to the left when nobody's there and just, you know, kind of start to see ghosts in the pocket. Uh, Justin, what do you think about that? Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, I keep looping this back to the XFL stuff, but our biggest issue, our biggest concern was offensive line play. Like we spent so much time looking at offensive linemen in the player pool to make sure that we can actually get watchable football out there. Because our belief, and honestly, I think this is the situation in the NFL that you're seeing right now too, is it used to be quarterback scarcity, but now most of the backups can come off the bench and at least give you something, you know? The problem is the scarcity now is on the offensive line, and it might be that second offensive line coming in that that really does you in and you can't get anything going. Um, 
you're talking about drops. That was a huge thing that LaFleur talked about, the strip sack fumble um, that Jordan Love had that when he got injured, he was saying, you know, Jordan Love dropped to, to nine yards. At that point, the quarterback's basically on his own. So the fact that Nijman gets his butt kicked at left tackle, once he gets beat, there's nothing to step into because it's a clear shot. I mean, the pass rusher's path is is right in your lap, basically. Um, another thing about offensive linemen, you talked about the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Jackson Carmen, 46th overall pick uh, in this past draft, was a little surprising that he went that high. He's on the Bengals' third team right now. He's their second-round pick. That's bad. The Bengals have, like, three scouts on their entire front office roster, and they're doing things like letting uh, – who's the pass rusher with the Jets now? I'm space uh, – oh, Carl Lawson. Lawson. Yeah. They let Scribe, Carl Lawson the walk. Yeah, they let him walk and sign Trey Hendrickson to basically the same deal. The only difference is how the cash flow moves, right? So the, the Bengals are kind of like the example of the league right now where, okay, you have all these structures that promote parity, but if the cash flow isn't the same and you're not going to give money to Carl Lawson in a timely manner, then he's going to leave to go to someone else who will. And if you don't have scouts, then that's how you end up drafting Jackson Carmen in the second round, and he's on your third offensive line. That that's It's bad. It's bad. You're probably going to hear a lot of anti Bengals things from me during the season just because I think they're unserious about competing at the NFL. I was going to say, you mentioned parody, P-A-R-I-T-Y, but they are a P-A-R-O-D-Y for sure when it comes to making decisions because, like, how do you watch the franchises that have been successful in the NFL and still think, nope, we're going to take a wide receiver in the top five and we're going to get our linemen on the back half on our next top pick? Like, no, that's not how it works. Look at the Saints, man. Invest in your offensive line. It's very, very simple. All, it took one game for the Kansas City Chiefs to say, okay, we're blowing right. it up. We're rebuilding. <laughs> and you saw what they did, right? We're not we're not playing this game where Patrick Mahomes doesn't even have time to throw. We're going to protect our franchise. And, yeah, the Bengals, but, I mean, they're just the Bengals. Like, it's been that way for, for as long as I can remember with Cincinnati. I, I agree with you. I don't think they're invested in in winning. I think they just want to sell tickets. The Chiefs went Orlando Brown, Rodney Hudson, and they got a gift in Trey Smith. Like, there's no way in any other world he would last that long. But uh, they did invest, and we're going to see them probably back in the Super Bowl because of it. And they've got, yeah, Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, uh, Lucas Niang's probably going to be their starting right tackle. He was uh, a draft pick for them last season who sat out because of COVID. Like, whole offensive lines completely rebuilt and and revamped and they've got a ton of depth there now like that's just what you have to do in the modern day nfl um before we get before we get out of here i want to get your guys take on the jamal adams seahawks safety extension that he just signed yesterday uh making him the highest paid safety in the nfl i love jamal adams i think he's a really talented player Uh, i generally don't think it's very good business to give a safety huge money a drop-down safety at that. I mean, he's not even, like, really a coverage safety. Uh, I know PFF was tweeting out pressure stats a little tongue-in-cheek. Get your money, first of all. Always get the money. Secure the bag. Do whatever you want. But if you're the Seahawks, I generally think that that, again, unserious. Unserious about competing for a championship if you're trading high draft picks for the potential to reset the market 
with Jamal Adams at the top of the safety market. That's not a way that you're going to be able to win ball games. I don't think maybe they'll be able to do it just because they have Russell Wilson and they have a top, you know, three quarterback in the league. Um, but I, I don't think that that's a positive move for the trajectory of the franchise um, as it stands today. The Seahawks, they got better pretty much when Quandre Diggs was healthy and he, he was on the field. Like when they started getting healthy is when they really took off on defense last year. Um, it had nothing to do with Jamal Adams. So I could I, I don't know what they saw from him to trade two first round picks. If it was a first round pick, just knowing how the NFL works with these big names, sure, that's fine. But multiple first round picks and then just as you, we just talked about, reset the market for him. What are we doing here? Like, yeah, who, I mean, they're who are you working paying. against. Like, who are you competing against? Yeah, there's no other safety that's anywhere near that. And he hasn't done anything to like. What has he done coverage wise? Like, think about it in their division. Who, um, like, do you think Sean McVay is working to go away from Jamal Adams, or do you think Kyle Shannon is, is scheming one on one matchups for Adams? Because I can tell you, it's the latter, just based on last how last season went. But yeah, I, I don't understand it, man. And maybe we just need to start coming up with teams that are unserious, but it, we have to put the Seahawks in there. I think so. Yeah. If Jamal Adams blitzes against McVay or Shanahan, they're going to throw to the flat. <laughs> it's that it's, whoop. it's basically guess, like a free throw shot, you know? So I guess the Seahawks pass rush has just been so bad that they're paying him to be like a pass rusher. Cause he gets sacks from the safety position. He's a good blitzer. Um, that also feels like it's bad practice. I don't think you should pay a safety because he's basically a pass rusher for your team. If you want a pass rusher, go sign a pass rusher. Yes. Again, Carl Lawson. He was out there. You could have paid they, Carl they, Lawson. They had him and they let him walk. And then they let Jaron Reed walk to the Chiefs. Like they 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 had some guys who were serviceable pass rushers and, and they let him go. And Jaron Reed had a couple good seasons in Seattle and now he's hopefully going to have a monster season with Chris Jones in Kansas City. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I agree. It doesn't feel like they're really invested uh, in, in trying to win another Super Bowl with Russell Wilson uh, in Seattle. But real quick, before we get out of here, do you guys have any preseason priors, guys you were high on that you want to uh, acknowledge how good they looked in the first week of the preseason? I mean, I was telling the folks, the fine football folks, that Joe Tryon is going to be a problem and that he is the best edge rusher in the draft class. And sure enough, he had that one play where it's like, whoa, this guy's the real deal. How did he fall? Um, he's just a really good football player. So when these guys make splash plays like that, um, that felt good to see like, oh, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. So I think it's Joe Tryon. I think we should give credit to all the quarterbacks because, I mean, everybody had their own rankings. But it was a good start, I think. So that was good to see whether you like Fields, whether you like Lance, whether you like Wilson or Lawrence. I think uh, you have to be encouraged by what you saw out of the gate. Uh, Josh Uche. Do you remember him? Ooh, Pass rusher yeah. out of Michigan. Michigan. Um, I was watching the Pats game. I mean, he flashes constantly. He got put on IR twice last year, his rookie season. So not a great start to the old uh, NFL career. But right now, I mean, all, all the traits that he had at Michigan are starting to come together, um, which is nice because those Michigan guys were a little different where they had all the athleticism in the world. Him, Winovich, uh, Rashawn Gary, you know, Gary and Uche now are finally starting to shine through. Um, hopefully Winovich gets there, but we'll see. The talent in that bowl game 
Alabama and Michigan, when Alabama is on offense, they have Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, they have all four wide receivers. And then on the other side, it's Uche, it's Rashawn Gary. Um, they have the cornerback that the 49ers have right now. There's They're like all NFL players on both sides of the ball. It's a really good matchup. Uh, him and Judon, that's a – Billy B might have something to work with there. Judon wearing number nine. I was shocked. The amount of Pats guys, it's all single digits on the, yeah. on the defensive side. <laughs> I was like, who the – who the hell's even out there? Like, I don't know who any of these guys are. It, it was confusing a little. I got I got to get used to the defensive guys wearing single digits. It's I'm going to have to start looking at depth charts like before games where rosters were like, I'm not for sure like who every single guy is because right. hey, you used to look at numbers and be like, oh, well, I at least know like positionally what that number means. It does. It's all out the window now. It doesn't do us any good whatsoever. Yeah, we got we got to get some of the big boys in single digits. We, we got to get the defensive lineman in single digits. That's really what you want to know. KP, you coach high school ball. Single-digit offensive lineman, cut him. Oh. Cut him immediately. <laughs> just cut, just go go in, cut him first play of the game. Like, we're, we're done. We're not going to block the, the defensive lineman wearing the single digit. If you're 300 pounds in high school and you're wearing a number one jersey, we cannot block you. We have to run away from you. Yeah, you're not touching him. He's a five-star recruit, no matter what. No doubt about it. That's Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. You can follow him at KP underscore show, as well as Justice Muscata. You can follow him on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening to another edition of NFL University. Please, again, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing on the SB Nation NFL show. We'll talk to you guys next week. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 